Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Middle of the week. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for being with us as we roll through hump day. Does it almost feel like the day of the week is a little irrelevant? Does that, does that make sense at all? Yes. Makes I mean, perfect sense. It, I mean, we're just home. You know, there's there's no... You know, there's no calendar for me in terms of I got to be at this game. I got a press conference here. Yeah, I mean, I I, I come here to the studio five days. A, I'm be doing that five days a week. But beyond that, yeah, it's it's sort of irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, I generally go so, by arm and leg day, so not much has changed. <laughs> there you go. Well, well skip played. arm and skip leg. Is that what it is? I mean, we're practicing our social distancing, so I am in my home office. Rippy is in the studio in Oxford. Hey, Dad's in the studio in Starkville. Borky's in the, the main studio in Jackson, our network studios. So we're kind of doing the things that we do, and, you know, you got to keep up with what day it is because if it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, we know we've got three hours that we're on the air. But aside from that, I mean, you want to talk about disruption. It's like it, – Maybe you do, maybe you don't go to church, but if you're somebody that goes to church, I mean, if nothing else, you can mark the beginning of a new week by, okay, on Sunday morning, I've got to get up and get dressed and go to church, either by myself or with my family or whatever it is. But right now, you don't even have church services, at least not in person. I mean, there were a lot of online and streaming things, but like nothing that normally would cause you to mark your calendar, getting your kids up and get getting them out the door. Um, social plans, parties that you might be going to, games that you're going to attend. None of those things are in play right now, and so it's it, it's kind of a Groundhog Day feeling, but it's a Groundhog Day without a calendar. And it's only Wednesday. I mean, we've had a lot of sports news, so like the job side of things for me has been quite frankly, pretty easy this week. I mean, I all weekend, everybody I talked to, man, what are you guys going to do all week? Like, I feel so bad yeah. for you. So far, so good. I mean, knock on wood, it's been okay, but still, this week feels like it's taken a month. Not in terms yeah, of working, preparing the show, but just in terms of, like, you talk about the day feeling irrelevant. Wait till we get into, like, week five of this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's maybe the direction that it's uh, that it is headed. I mean, that makes sense, right? I mean, there, there's going to be a point where we all kind of get cabin fever. I guess the good news is we're trending towards spring. It just doesn't feel like it with the forecast. I mean, you know, it's nice today. What, mid-upper 70s and at least for the most part not raining? But then you look at the forecast and like 10 of the next 14 days you got rain in the forecast, which is what was forecast for spring break as well and turned out not to be so bad. So, 
it's almost like just get us some spring, get us closer to summer, and uh, maybe everybody can spend a little more time out uh, outside. Yeah, Borky, probably you, so. I my so I have my backyard looks really nice now, but when I when I bought the house back in May of last year, it's already been that long. That's crazy. Uh, it was a jungle. I mean, the previous home, homeowner just could not take care of their yard. It just they they were physically incapable. Um, so the yard was just an overgrown mess, like a jungle. In this mess of trees and bushes and stuff right by our back door, basically, like next yeah. to the cemented porch, there w- there was an azalea buried deep in the middle of it. And once I cleared everything else around it, it survived somehow. So I'm really proud of this little azalea bush. Reminds me of Augusta <laughs> National. There you go. I caught my three-legged lab eating the flowers, the nice bloomed flowers off of my azalea this morning. Mm-hmm. I haven't been that mad in a long time. I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you. Just eating the flowers off of my bush. I was so mad. You know, it's funny. I, I've already found myself kind of recognizing more of like what's going on outside. I, you know, I, I joke Borgie with you. It's like, hey, well, at least my yard's going to be in good shape. You know, nothing else to do. Get plenty of yard work done over the uh, coming weeks. But I started noticing yesterday, you know, the, the the trees are all still bare. Like you, this is that time of year where you see things that normally you don't see. Like houses are covered up in the woods because of trees year-round. But like at the very end of winter when all the leaves are completely off the branches, you're like, oh, I didn't realize there was a cabin back there or a shop back there. Or, oh, there's an old dilapidated car in the woods, whatever it is. But in just the last couple of days, I noticed yesterday morning, that the maybe just the tiniest little buds were on the trees. But it's amazing how quickly, once that starts, everything gets into bloom. Because I, I kind of looked at the exact same spot this morning that I looked at yesterday, and it's like, holy cow, it's getting thicker already. A week from now, everything will be in bloom, and you won't be able to see anything through the woods. I can't wait I for that time. I Like, I'm a big fan of... I, that, I know that sounds kind of corny, but like when everything's in bloom and nice and flowers and stuff, it just makes me feel better. Hey, Dad, have you thought have you thought about the fact that I'm, I don't know how much of a nature thinker you are? So we're in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic, mm-hmm. and everybody is on edge about anybody that coughs or sneezes or gives any symptoms whatsoever of being a little sick. And with good reason, right? I mean, we're, we're all trying to be as cautious. Uh, a week from now, every surface you look at is going to be yellow, pollen all over the place, spring allergies go crazy. People are going to be beside themselves thinking that, oh my gosh, you got the coronavirus. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad no, I'm not no, allergic I don't. to pollen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but most of the free world in the South is, and at least for a little while. Here. And it's going. It's going to happen. So more important than ever to practice that social distancing. When when you see yellow, just just stay inside. Yeah, I guess so. Although you know, I normally just kind of fight through it. Maybe the, the, now, right now, is the time to jump on that uh, that daily allergy pill, like loratadine or something, and kind of get yeah. yourself ready in advance because it is coming. 
Big time. Man, I was at the grocery store a couple days ago. Allergies get me more than anybody I know. Like, I wear those surgical masks when I cut the grass in the spring because it, it will eat me you alive for days. You find any of those right now? Oh, no. Still can't find any. But I, I did yard work, and then I went to the grocery store without showering. Like, I, I was sweaty and stuff, but I, I had to go to the grocery store to get something and come home. So I was still getting affected by all of the stuff from the yard work. And I'm pushing the cart and I, I had to sneeze. And I did it the right way. Like, I, I buried it in my arm and stuff. But at least five people around me stopped and stared. <laughs> You're like, look, I just sneezed. I, like, uh, I said, guys, allergies, I'm sorry, it's okay. And, like, one guy just kind of shook his head and walked away. But I got stared at at the grocery store because I sneezed. I don't think you can, like, completely eliminate sneezing. You just got to sneeze responsibly. Right. Yeah, and, uh, I mean... Sneeze responsibly, that man said. <laughs> it's you like we, that? It's what we That's the new do. ad campaign on the uh, video board at Mississippi State. Sneeze responsibly. There we go. Run the ring responsibly PSA and then run the uh, sneeze responsibly PSA. Hey, ceasefire text line is open to you. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Avoid the waiting room with C Spire Health. Download the telehealth app and get treated by UMMC clinicians from your phone. It's now just $29 per visit for everyone, regardless of who your carrier is. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. Uh, message on the C Spire text line, my pond is already yellow. So, yeah, I mean, as, as things are starting to bloom or starting to bud, the uh, the pollen is coming out. Uh, there was some on my windshield today. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I actually yeah. noticed that earlier today as well. Although I couldn't decide if it was pollen. I actually cut my grass today. It was a little too wet to do that, but I needed to get outside, and there were a bunch of weeds, and I didn't feel like pulling weeds, so I just mowed the yard, and uh, I couldn't decide if it was pollen or that. Uh, here we go. Ceasefire text line, second trip to get mulch for my teacher wife, who is currently off. The guy at the co-op told me if coronavirus didn't kill husbands, their wives, li- sorry, I can't even read, their <laughs> wives will. Oh, man. Maybe, uh, maybe so. Got to get through it somehow. A guy I know coughed at work once, and they immediately told him to stay home for five days and send him to the hospital in Memphis to get tested <laughs> for coughing one time. Still got to use a little common sense, don't we? Yeah, I did listen to uh, a, a actually really good interview with that uh, that doctor that you're seeing everywhere, and even he was saying that look, you should be pre- take your precautions and stuff, but. The problem is you, we're overloading hospitals for people that don't have symptoms or are, are so mild. So. He said, don't go to the hospital if you're coughing. He said, go home and then call your doctor or do one of these telehealth things first and then have them direct you. Because if everybody with a cough goes to the hospital, it'll take us a lot longer to siphon through the people who actually need to be tested and the people who don't. Hey, so Dr. Fauci, Hold on, I'm going to hold that thought until we come back. i got questions for you about this really interesting guy. Sports Talk Mississippi just getting started on this Wednesday. We'll be right back. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. 
right. I promise we're not going to be coronavirus central. It's just not what we're going to do. But we are going to talk about news, and we're going to throw some suggestions out from time to time. And suggestion number one would be, please use common sense. Okay? The world is not coming to an end. However, this is a very, very, very serious time. And we may make light of it a little bit, but that's not without understanding that there are people who are sick, there are people who are dying, there are people who are panicking, there are people who are just genuinely nervous, there are people who are scared to death of trying to figure out how it is that without being able to work because maybe their place of employment is closed or how to pay their bills because maybe they're a store owner and they have no business for the foreseeable future, that the economic impact of this is incredibly scary. So just be sensitive to those things. And please understand, if we make a uh, coronavirus joke or you know we make light of something, it's kind of to laugh to keep from crying. So that would be number one, is use some common sense. Number two, all of these things that are being suggested, social distancing, better hygiene, washing your hands, self-quarantining, limiting the scope of people you come in contact with, not congregating in groups of 10 or more, we, we have evidence that these things work in terms of slowing down the spread of coronavirus. And the sooner we slow the spread, the sooner we can get back to some sense of normalcy. So in addition to using common sense, use your brain and don't be stubborn. It's really hard to do, though. I mean, is is that fair to say, guys, that, that this whole, because our entire way of living has been interrupted, it's hard to do to completely limit your interaction with anybody outside your immediate family. <sighs> have you guys found like it to be difficult? I haven't. But that's I'm, what I do most every day, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's just, well, oh, you know, oh, okay, but I'm not I even forgot. being sarcastic. It's just, it's. It, look, I mean, we go out and we do things, but there are some times where. Uh, we would much rather just spend the weekend in and, and just hang out and, and relax and let loose. And yeah, that's going to get um, a little frustrating a few weeks from now, but right now we are just trying to obtain a sense of normalcy. We can't, or we shouldn't go anywhere. I've been to the grocery store a few times. Uh, you know, We went to her parents' house a few days ago, that kind of thing. But by and large, it's not uncommon for my wife, my son, and I to spend a weekend in. So we're just going to continue doing that as long as they keep suggesting it. It's not abnormal to stay home. A lot of us do it often. And so as of right now, I'm not going stir-crazy yet. Maybe I will, but we do this all the time anyway. Well, and hey, Dad, you did spend, like, the 4th of July weekend, I forgot, like, you pulled all the blinds on your house and closed your doors and didn't let anybody go outside, right? Something like that, yeah. (laughs) 
We had lots of fun. We uh, had it uh, at your expense over that. I was ahead of the curve. laughing now, right? Yeah. Yes. Maybe, maybe it's so difficult for me because this is so different than what I do. Like, Porky, I mean, a weekend at home for me is never happens. What, a couple weeks in the summer and then that's about it? Yeah, but even then, we don't stay at home. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we just stay at the house and play in the yard and don't do anything. I mean, on on just a random weekend where I happen to not be traveling or be at a ball game somewhere, I mean, we go to the lake and go out on the boat and might cook out at somebody's house or might have somebody over to our house to cook out and go to church on Sunday morning, and then we go out to dinner on Sunday night somewhere, you know, at Taylor Grocery or something like that. I mean, we just go and go and go, and kids have got ball games, and we go to the park that's across the street from our neighborhood, and it's just constant. We never slow down. Maybe this is good for us in that sense. I, I, I don't know, but it's weird. It is. It's a strange time for me. Yeah, I guess. I, yeah, this uh, this sucks. But I stocked up on books and beer, so I'm going to do my part. Society can thank me later. <laughs> what books did you buy? I actually had. I thought I was. I said I was going to start reading this year. And I hasn't, uh, it hasn't, or books that is, not reading in general. I do a decent bit of reading, just not books. So I have, I don't actually have any like I bought. I just have a stack of about five or six that need to be read on my desk. Well, what are they? The first one is I never finished that book on uh, Andre Agassi Open. Uh, okay. There's, I'm trying to think of another one. My uh, Dispatches from Pluto. I've heard of that, I've not read it. My girlfriend gave it to me or let me borrow it. It's basically just like the general story of uh, this guy comes from, like, I can't remember what country, but comes and hangs out in the Mississippi Delta, I believe, is the general gist of it. So I've got three oh, or four. Oh, wow. Okay. Do you need recommendations, or are you going to get through those first? Recommendations from who? For, <laughs> recommendations for books to read. Yeah, yeah, like, who are they coming from? I, I was just going to offer a couple of suggestions of things that I've read in the last year or two that you might find interesting. Sure, fire away. I just didn't want Haydad to steer me down the wrong path. Oh. <laughs> hey, Dad, I got a great book for if, you to read. If you <laughs> had to recommend <laughs> one book for Rippy to read, what would it be? Oh, I wouldn't. I'm not going to go the funny route here. Um, I, the last book that I read. Which was interesting to me was uh, what's it called? Back in 1987. Basic... All right, it's a it's a deep dive into psychology and Batman, and and the the psychology of the Dark Knight, something like that. I have to I, I think right. what the title is. But Rippy, you're not reading that, are you? No, that's uh, that's not on the desk yet. But I guess I'm open to all suggestions. I thought hey, that was going to give me like an instruction manual or something. <laughs> Jeez. The uh, the the Phil the Knight. very hungry caterpillar would fit your age bracket, I think. <laughs> oh wow, Alexander, the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, which there apparently uh, my seven year old son read to my two year old daughter earlier this morning. So that's, that's kind nice. of uh, yeah. Heard it's a quick for the most. Yeah, they're for the most part getting apart. Shoe dog, uh, the uh, the Phil Knight biography is pretty interesting 
I mean, it's you know nonfiction route, but it's basically the history of Nike. Uh best book like novel that I've read that is based on true events in probably the last three years is uh, Boys in the Boat. Do you need more information than that? Yeah, what's it? What's about? I don't know what about, that is. Besides dudes in a boat. So it's the story of the rowing team from the University of Washington in World War II times and getting uh, you know, training for the Olympics and then transitioning into one of these guys is um, uh, becomes a prisoner of war and survives an extended period of time in, I guess it would be, be the Pacific Ocean? Like I said, it's been a couple of years since I've read it. It is a fantastic story, though, and uh, highly recommend that one. On that front, uh, I actually, believe it or not, read very rarely, but there was a, a World War II book called A Team for America. It's about the 1944 uh, Army-Navy game. They're ranked number one and number two in the country, and it's about the Army-Navy game in the middle of World War II um, and it's got interviews of guys that played in the game and then their uh, military service directly after that game. I mean, the upperclassmen, when the game was over, got ready for war and, and went and fought in World War II and interviews guys that were uh, active duty somewhere around the world that listened to the game broadcast and stuff like that. It's fascinating. Uh, a Team for America is what it's called, but it's about the 44 Army-Navy game. Awesome book. Uh- that's awesome. See, I actually just conflated the story. There's a segment sto- for the next couple, once a week or something. Just drop in book suggestions. We're all going to need it. There you go. I, I think I actually conflated two different stories that I read at about the same time. The boys in the boat, though, is uh, the 1936 U.S. Men's Olympic 8 or rowing team that uh, began at the uh, University of Washington, and uh, it coincided with the Berlin Olympics. So a lot, uh, lot of cool stuff happening there. Sports Talk Mississippi. Maybe I'll go back and reread it. We got more coming up with you. We'll take a quick timeout. All right. So just cleaning up the mess that I made a second ago, where I was trying to make a book recommendation to Rippy, and I inadvertently like weaved the stories of two different books into one. So two book recommendations for you, Rippy. You ready? I just read them both at once. Okay. Well, the boys in the boat is one of them, which was the 1936 U.S. Olympic rowing team. And the other was Unbroken, which was the story of Louis Zamperini and his Air Force bomber that got shot down over the Pacific and kind of the exploits of trying to survive as a prisoner of war after being on the ocean for a really long time with you know, no contact, etc. So two really good stories, but they are two different stories, not two books that were made into one. Anyway. Uh, let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Austin Stanley from A to Z Sports in Nashville on your radio right now. Austin, what's up, man? Uh, nothing much. I mean, I guess the coronavirus has you guys knocking the dust off the bookshelves. I mean, I, that's saying a uh, lot. Uh, well, a little. Rippy was just kind of pointing out that this was like kind of his new year's resolution was going to be that he was going to read like actually read books this year and he said yeah i really haven't gotten very far into that and it seems like now there's an opportunity for him so i just we were yeah, given a so couple it's of his fault that his new year's resolution has now created more book reading time so yes. he's putting us all through this 
We are uh, we're going to blame Rippy. Um, so things are fairly quiet, and then all of a sudden, NFL free agency rolls out, and uh, turns out Titans weren't actually all that interested in Tom Brady. Do you believe that to be true? Uh, the whole time I was uh, look. Tom Brady in Nashville would have been fantastic for my business. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But the whole time, I, I kind of felt that each side, the Titans and Tom Brady, were using each other for leverage to eventually stay where they were last year. That the Titans were using Tom Brady to drive the Ryan Tannehill number down, and that maybe Tom Brady was using the Titans to drive the New England Patriots offer up. Uh, whether that offer from the Patriots was more money or more weapons on the offensive side of the ball or whatever. But uh, the Titans got what they eventually wanted and, and wanted the whole time was with Ryan Tannehill, which I thought was the best football option for the Titans was Ryan Tannehill over Tom Brady. Uh, now Tom Brady going to the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that, that's a pretty potent offense down there. I saw this stat earlier today. Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions this past year. Uh, since 2015, Tom Brady's thrown 29. So that's a pretty good upgrade for the Bucks. The 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 favorite number for me though about the uh, the Winston interception number last year and Borky pointed this out to me yesterday. Somebody went back and there were another fifteen to seventeen balls that could have or should have been interceptions. He easily could have gone over forty. <laughs> my, <laughs> my favorite was actually I got this from the athletic writer who covers the Bucks. Is that. Jameis Winston threw seven interceptions within the first four minutes of the game this past season. The rest of the NFL combined for ten. <laughs> That's amazing. That is unbelievable. I mean, I, you know, reckless, Incredible. I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see bad. there. What, what's the reaction been among Titans fans uh, to Ryan Tannehill? And and I thought it was good that Borky pointed out yesterday. Look, a lot of people who don't watch the Titans on a week-to-week basis, only saw playoff Tannehill where he combined for, like, 160 yards in two games. That's not the Ryan Tannehill that kind of redirected the Titans' season a year ago. Sure. And if you immediately look at the contract on its face, four years, $118 million, $29.5 million per year, you're like, okay, that's a lot for – Tannehill, who the Dolphins didn't even want last year. But when you look at how John Robinson structured it with the cap hits, his cap hit is for this upcoming year is actually less than what the franchise tag would be. So that was good. And then when his cap hits the highest in three years at $34 million, after Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes and, and Dak Prescott gets paid again and all these other guys, like $34 million against the cap in 2022 is going to be nothing. Uh, and for what Ryan Tannehill was doing for the 10 games he started in the regular season, it, this offense was different. It was explosive, dynamic. They used his legs on several occasions uh, when the, the defense was flowing to Derrick Henry. And Tannehill is a, a fantastic athlete. He'll be 32 this season, still a really good athlete, still several years of good athleticism left in him. And then you mentioned the playoffs where, yeah, the first two games they won, he only combined like 160 yards. But if you look at the first quarter and the first play of the second quarter against the Baltimore Ravens, Ryan Tannehill had like 75 yards and two dime touchdown passes that put Absolutely. the Titans up 14 nothing. And then after that point, it was just ride Derrick Henry until the clock hits triple zero. And so Ryan Tannehill made a lot of plays in those first couple playoff games. 
against the Chiefs in the AFC title, not so much. But I do think the Titans liked what they had last year, and they wanted to run it back, if you want to say, uh, for 2020. Economically and optically, good time to be a quarterback, tough time to be a running back in the NFL. Derrick Henry, biggest part of the reason that the Titans made the run that they did a, a season ago, argument to be made he's the best running back in the NFL. It, or is it 100% certain that he is franchise tagged? Is that, that That's done, right? Yes. Yeah, the franchise tag is officially been put on Derrick Henry. Now, he has not signed it yet, and the okay. NFL league year actually just officially started 43 minutes ago. Sure. Uh, so he has until July 15th. Uh, to sign that franchise tag or for the Titans to negotiate a long-term deal before a holdout would then ensue. Um, so we don't really know exactly how that's going to work because, frankly, the coronavirus has delayed a lot of the off-season workouts. So normally teams show up in the middle of April to start doing workouts and OTAs. Now we have no idea what's going to happen with that. So it's hard to say whether the Titans want to extend uh, Derrick Henry, or like a lot of teams, you could use the franchise tag as basically like an extension on your taxes. You know, like you, you've got this franchise tag, now you just bought yourself more time to come to a better deal. But you could also just franchise tag Derrick Henry and force him to play under the one year deal and then see where you go from there uh, after the season. So it's going to be an interesting story to follow over the next several months. Austin Stanley, A to Z Sports in Nashville on your radio right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Could Tennessee theoretically franchise him in consecutive years, pay him a fair wage, but not tie themselves into a long-term deal, and then after two years say, let's just be honest, there's a shelf life on running backs. Thanks for all you've done. Good luck. We'll go get another one. Yeah, they could do that. That's what the, the Washington Redskins did with Kirk Cousins. Absolutely, uh, and it was ugly. It was really ugly. Kirk Cousins and the Redskins did not have a good, very good relationship, and they had a bad breakup. And for all intents and purposes, Derrick Henry's been perfect for uh, the Tennessee Titans when it comes to how he's handled himself on and off the field. He's exactly the type of guy that you do would want to reward and pay long term money because you trust his work ethic. But he plays running back. And that's the that's the only thing hurting Derrick Henry is that he plays running back, and it's just hard to extend and give big money to a running back um, yeah. who's in the middle mid twenties after his rookie deal. Because you look around the league, the Rams are trying to trade away Todd Gurley, uh, the Cardinals did trade away David Johnson, the Falcons cut Devontae Freeman, and the Jets want to trade Le'Veon Bell. Outside of Zeke, those are the highest-paid running backs, and they're all either traded or on the trade block or cut. So that's kind of the, the situation of the whole position as a whole. Uh, and Derrick Henry, unfortunately, um, he's making $10.2 million in 2020, so that's, that's pretty good, but it's not what he wants for a long-term deal. If a long-term deal were to get worked out with Derrick Henry, what would it look like? Would it have to be four years? Could they do a three-year, say, $38 million deal, $40 million deal? Or is that too much? Um, well, it's hard. That's why Derrick Henry is so hard to evaluate, and that's probably why the contra- he eventually got franchise tagged is because he's not like Zeke, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, or Freeman, who's a really good receiver of the backfield. You have to take Derrick Henry off the field 
in obvious passing downs because he's gotten better as a pass blocker, but not there yet, and he doesn't run routes. He's great when it comes to catches, catching screens and running with it, but that's about it. And so you've got to have somebody else with him, and so you don't necessarily want to give him $15 million a year, which is Ezekiel Elliott money, uh, because right. you know you have to have a second running back to compliment him. So that's where I, you know, I feel like three years, $13 million a year is probably the best thing Derrick Henry would, would get on the open market, if that. Um, but it, the Titans could say maybe four years uh, overall with an option to get out after the third year or something along those lines, which they've done before with contracts. But I really don't know how this is going to go and play out. I know Buck Rising, who works for us, uh, thinks that this is it, that they're just going to franchise tag Henry and let him play on the franchise tag. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it shakes out. Hey, 20 seconds, hard time break. Have the Titans gotten better in the last couple of days? Uh, well, they trade away Jarrell Casey. They dumped about $30 million of salary to the Broncos. We'll see what they do with that salary cap room in the next three days. How about that? That's fair. Maybe we need to ask you that question again this time next week. Austin, always enjoy the, uh, the conversations. <laughs> Thanks for your time so much. Thanks, guys. Austin Stanley from A to Z Sports in Nashville on the Farm Bureau phone line. Quick timeout. Be right back. So, Rippy, you heard what Austin Stanley said a second ago. He said, let's give it three more days, see what the Titans do with the extra cap space. Do you think when it's all said and done, Tennessee will look back at free agency from this year and say we got better? Yeah, I think so. I'm most interested in the Derrick Henry thing, though, because I tend to side with uh, his his uh, colleague Buck in terms of like it probably this just being it and then riding it out. That's kind of fascinating. Tough deal because he was like a folk hero in that playoff run. As a Titans fan, but also kind of thinking with fiscal responsibility, given that running back position, though, I mean, what what else do you do? I mean, this is not... This is not a deal where you ride Thurman Thomas for a decade or Emmett Smith for you know nine years in Dallas or whatever the length of time was. Or, or I mean, the running back era is different, and yet the Titans were so dependent on him in that run. Three at thirteen a year seems pretty fair. Yeah, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I mean, would he accept that, or would somebody else give him that money? It, the thing is, ah, oh, he would take that. You think so? Yes. Even with Zeke getting the dollar amount that he did, and uh, I mean, even though it didn't work out, Todd Gurley getting the dollar amount that he did, you think that Derrick Henry would not try to demand twenty? I mean, to be honest, Zeke's not working out either because they just hamstrung oh, yeah. themselves with choosing between Dak and Amari Cooper. Like, not production-wise, sure, it's worked out fine, but uh, I mean, I think at some point you just got to take what you get because the market for running backs is only going to get worse. Yeah, I mean. Borky, I think he can demand whatever he wants. He can demand twenty million dollars well, a year. I mean, command can, on the open market. That that's that was the question. Is is anybody that. else giving him more than that? Is what I I meant to say. No, Who's I done mean, a deal I, with I, a running back like that and have not regretted it? Is there one? Yeah, that I, I was going to make the exact same point. I mean, I think Dallas would like to not be hamstrung like they are with Zeke, and obviously the Rams would like to have not done that deal with Gurley. And you know, it's it just doesn't make sense. Not in today's NFL for that position. 
I, I think that, I think those deals are going to be a cautionary tale for other teams to not spend that kind of money on running backs. And if the market won't give it, I mean, if the Titans were you said three and thirty nine, what if it was three and thirty six? What if it was twelve million a year, and say thirty of the thirty six million was fully guaranteed? I, I don't think that's a terrible deal for Derrick Henry. I mean, it's easy for me to say that. I mean, I'm not dealing with his accountant and his bank account, but. If he could get three years, thirty-six million, with thirty of the thirty-six million guaranteed, that does not sound like an awful deal for an NFL running back. They need to fix the rookie contract deal because if they, when they refixed it after the Sam Bradford thing, that was quarterbacks in mind. But for running backs in other positions, it really screws them. Yeah, yeah. You may be onto something with uh, with that. Uh, hey, Dad, are the Saints getting better? Uh they let Eli Apple go. Absolutely, they're getting better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins should be good. I like bringing Malcolm Jenkins back. We talked about that yesterday. You know, just as a veteran, steadying influence kind of guy there. You know, I think they have enough talent in the secondary that it wasn't a huge deal. I, I would have liked to have kept Von, Von, Von Bell, but so it is what it is. Um, but that said, you know, last year, you know, Breeze gets hurt. So you got you have Teddy Bridgewater. Now you don't. You, you Taysom Hill and who? So I don't know that they've gotten better, but they, they seem to have worked out some ways to get some cap room, and I'm, I'm sure Borky wanted to talk about that later, about what they're doing with Breeze's is, is his new contract that's going to let them, you know, at least make some moves, I think. So I don't know yeah, if they've they gotten they any better. But, Michael Thomas and Tron Armstead's contract as well to yeah. free up a little so they're, they're bit making more space. Some, they're making some cap space. Maybe they're, maybe they're planning a big move that we don't see uh, just yet. But, you know, I don't know if they're getting better or not, but, you know, they were one of the best teams in the league last year. They didn't need to do a whole ton. They just needed to do a little tweaking here and there, I think. We'll get into uh, all the moves from today in NFL free agency later in the uh, show this afternoon. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we are going to visit with Ryan Brown from Jocks FM in Birmingham. We will, uh, we'll, we'll compare notes on uh, what different radio shows in this part of the country are doing to uh, not pass the time but just kind of continue to inform and be entertaining We'll talk with him about that, but also a longtime Miami Dolphins fan, Ryan Brown, he wakes up this morning and the GOAT is no longer a quarterback in the division. wonder what that feels like if you're a fan of the Dolphins or if you're a fan of the Buffalo Bills. The mayor kind of told us about that yesterday. Yeah, Buffalo's mayor was fantastic yesterday. My my podcast partner is a a Dolphins fan, and he's quite happy. So he's Braves and Dolphins. Yeah. Why no Falcons in that mix? I think he was a Marino fan as a kid, ah, and that's just sort of that he's sort of stuck with him. Plus, I wouldn't would. want to be his friend if he was a Falcons fan. My God, I have standards, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour in the books with you on this Wednesday afternoon. We'll take a quick timeout. Be back with Ryan Brown from Jocks in Birmingham on the Farm Bureau phone line. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Four o'clock hour on this Wednesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. C Spire text line is open 601-879-4395. The C Spire text line. Avoid the waiting room with C Spire Health. Download the telehealth app today and get treated by UM. MC clinicians from your phone. It's now just $29 per visit for everyone. 
With C Spire Health, anyone in Mississippi can get treatment for non-emergency conditions. You can even have prescriptions sent to your local pharmacy. Download C Spire Health and try it for just $29 per visit. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. We are glad to have you along this afternoon. So let's dive into some of the news. We had to uh, push back a little bit with Ryan Brown. He'll join us a little bit later in the hour. So let's kind of catch up on the free agency front on the NFL side of things. Uh, All reports are that it will be Tom Brady signing with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That has not officially happened yet, but it is going to happen. So I asked this question about the Titans Hey, Dad, I asked the question a second ago about uh, about the Saints. Did Tampa Bay get better with this move to bring in Tom Brady in place of Jameis Winston? Unequivocally, without a doubt, yes. I would take 45-year-old Tom Brady over Jameis Winston. Now, if you're talking raw talent, like which one is a better toolsy quarterback at this moment, it's an obvious answer, but that's not... That's not the question you're asking. I've seen multiple people suggest that this is a bad move and the Bucks are getting worse by bringing in Brady over Winston. And it just, like, they're blinded by the 5,000 yards and the raw talent, and they completely forget about the fact that in the NFL you can't turn the football over twice a game and win many games. I mean, even with all of his turnover issues and mental mistakes, Tampa was in a lot of one-score games. And if you take an interception or two away from some of these games, you probably win them, including the last game of the year that was won on an interception return for a touchdown by the Falcons in overtime. You cannot, I don't care how many yards he throws for, have a quarterback that turns the football over 30 times in a season and expect to win games. Tom Brady will not do that. Maybe he won't throw for 5,000 this year, but he's not turning it over 30 times. And you have a good enough team the the front seven is really good on defense. Your receiver group's the best probably he's ever had if you throw in uh, the tight end in there as well. You have a better chance at winning games this season with Tom Brady than Jameis Winston, full stop. I don't think it's even a debate or a question. Rippy, in terms of Tom Brady's legacy, does anything that happens this year or next year in Tampa Bay matter? Yeah, but I think it also matters what happens in New England in a year or two years or really the next half decade. Like, if the Patriots fall off, I think that'll help his legacy. But if they continue to win 10, 11 games a year and win their 17th, 18th, and 19th division titles, then it probably, whether it's fair or not, damages a bit because there is a bit of a downside for him here. Like, you're going to get, like, what if they, Tampa struggles this year and they go 7 and 9, 8 and 8, whatever? And the Patriots are still pretty competitive, make the playoffs again. It's going to be kind of the hot take. You know, it was Belichick type of deal when in reality Brady's just 40-whatever you know, years old he is, 43-44, and it's probably just declining in production because you're not really supposed to be playing football at 44. So, yeah, I do think it will. Um, you know, But I think it has every bit as much to do with what happens in – in New England over the next two years or three years or four years, whatever it be, than than it does with Tampa Bay, however long Brady plays, whether that's one, two, three, four years, whatever it is. Tom Brady, 42. He'll be 43 on August 3rd. So he will be 43 when this season begins. It's a two-year deal with Tampa Bay. What do you think, hey, Dad? I mean, if if the 
Bucks go eight and eight and miss the playoffs and then go nine and seven, or maybe they go nine and seven and they get in this year and then go eight and eight and miss the playoffs next year, does it change at all how you look at the twenty year career prior to this season of Tom Brady? I think you sort of have to look at it a little differently because there's always sort of been that debate of, you know, is Belichick making Brady or does Brady make Belichick? It, it might have to you might have to take into account obviously what the Patriots do. If, like you said, Tampa Bay goes eight and eight, and then the Patriots decide they're just going to hand the job to Jarrett Stidham, and they go twelve and four, then yeah, it's going to affect Tom Brady's legacy a touch. But at the end of the day, the man won six Super Bowls. Uh, you know, you can't take too much away from him. Um, well, you know, I, I don't think Montana's legacy matters. Would... Uh, no, I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, my my point was going to be though that he's going to be forty three. No, I mean, I get All that. All humans' skill sets decline, so why would we take anything away, other than it's just kind of what happens, why would we take anything away from what he has accomplished by him continuing to try to play for two more years in his young to mid-40s? Well, like I was, I was going to say, you know, I don't, I don't think Montana's legacy is overly tarnished by his time with the Chiefs. I don't think Peyton, Manis, Peyton Manning lost anything by playing for the, for the Broncos this past couple of years. the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, yeah, so... You know, the only way it would look bad is if if you go out and, and Brady just falls apart, you know, mechanically this year, and somehow he, you know, we, I heard Austin's uh, stat about about interceptions thrown, how many he's thrown since 2015, but somehow he turns into a 20 interception guy, and the, and the Bronco, I'm sorry, the Buccaneers are just terrible. Then yeah, I mean that's it, that'll be a, a a black mark on on the legacy of Tom Brady, which might be the first one to be honest. I'll be honest with you guys, I don't know that I watched more than. 10 minutes of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year in anything. Well, By the you way, you're going to get a bunch fun of fun story in football. Well, no, I mean I know the story was there and I followed that obviously. I watched two full games they played last year. What they played the Saints twice? Yes, they did. Well, they're in the division. There you go. Um but no, I mean the uh oh, I was I was going to say, so I'm not the one to to ask or judge what the offensive line is like in Tampa Bay. So tell me, is there an offensive line in place that can protect Tom Brady? Because if there is, I think you'll see his numbers rebound because of the weapons that he's got at receiver, which are so drastically different than what he had at receiver last year in New England. Don't know a good – I mean, Jameis got sacked a good bit in their game in New Orleans a year ago. Um, so don't know how great they are. So I'm looking at uh, football outsiders. Their their offensive line was actually 23rd in the NFL last year. Um, that so they need it. to be better than that. They need to be better than that. They were 23rd in sacks, gave up 40 sacks. Uh, that's a rate of 8%. So 8% of um, his dropbacks a year ago were uh, were sacks. Yeah. But part uh, of that also, I mean, Brady's got like a poor man's Eli Manning in that he knows how to avoid sacks and get the ball out much faster. I mean, Jameis Winston's a mess. He is an absolute mess. He's mistake-prone. He's turnover-prone. He stays in the pocket too long. Part of that is also on the quarterback. I, I've read a couple of things from former offensive linemen who talk about sacks aren't all our fault to where sometimes a quarterback doesn't adjust their protections the right way. 
doesn't uh, read progressions right and get the ball out on time and misses reads and stuff like that, you would imagine Tom Brady is extremely good at setting protections the right way and getting the ball out on time and not holding onto it too long and having a good pocket presence. So the difference in quarterback can adjust a sack rate because one of them will know more uh, of what they're doing than his predecessor. So that could change things. Yeah. All right, so looking at the NFC South, last year it was Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston, and Cam Newton slash Will Josh Will Allen. This is probably Kyle, Kyle the first Allen. division ever to play to have two 40-year-old starters. Okay. So hey, with I that group. That one up. I can. Yeah, we'll get right on that. So with that group of four quarterbacks last year, Versus this year, Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees. It, I mean, maybe this is a dumb question. Is it a, is it the best quarterback division now in the NFL? Is it appreciably better than it was a year ago? I don't know. Ryan really hurts it, man. I gotta be honest. <laughs> he was good last year. Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. They, they suddenly now have a ton of weapons uh, around them uh, as well. But uh, find me a division with better quarterback play than this one. Kyler Murray, uh, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, and uh, Jared Goff. That's the competition. But which one's better? Well, NFC North is pretty rough, too. Rodgers, Stafford, Foles doesn't really count. But Kirk Cousins as well, that's a pretty good division. And then you've got Lamar, Ben, Burrow, presumably, and Baker. I guess that adds, that that doesn't count. That's not in there. There's a couple. I don't know. There's one or two in my opinion. Sports Talk Mississippi. More free agent news. Some of the other stuff that has happened today when we continue with you in just a couple of minutes. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. We'll be right back. Forky, a minute ago on uh, the ceasefire text line, somebody said that you had been on point with the music today. I don't know if that was before or after you played Party in the USA. Well, Party in the USA is a jam, and then this classic from Eddie Murphy recovers any lost uh, capital I had from Party in the USA. There you go. Uh, Jason says, say it, Borky. Jameis Winston, on top of all of that, Jameis Winston eats... A W? Uh, oh, eats W's. Eats W's on the sideline. <laughs> the best part about that video is when he tries to high-five a teammate. The guy's like, wait, no. Get, gross. Like, Don't touch yeah. me. Says he eats W's on the sideline, steals crabs' legs, and yells sexually explicit obscenities from a tabletop on the campus lunchroom. Therefore, Jameis Winston is, in fact, an idiot. Oh, and not to mention uh, his what got him suspended. Uh, for what he did to an Uber driver. Shocking that a guy that has that track record is not a great uh, decision maker. I couldn't imagine that. But now his vision is fixed. Yeah, he got LASIK. I can't believe Tampa Bay's moving on after he got LASIK. He did squint a lot. He's always squinted a lot, hasn't he? Jameis Winston. Not anymore, he's got LASIK. Did you say Jameis Winston? Yeah. Nice. Uh, plot twist, they signed Brady to be a mentor for Winston, and Winston keeps the starting job. Uh, 
We'll have some of what uh, you're drinking. Uh, Brady is better than Winston, period. Of course he is. Uh, Gibb in Greenwood says uh, Montana took the Chiefs to an AFC championship game. We tend to forget that. I used the yeah, comparison I mean, this morning uh, to the, the Bulls after Jordan left. So when you asked about Brady's legacy, if, if Brady leaves and it doesn't work out in Tampa, but the Patriots keep on winning, in the short term, yeah, people will do the system quarterback thing. But I think 10 years from now, people will forget that he even went to Tampa. I mean, you don't even remember that Michael Jordan played for the Wizards, let alone left the Bulls, and they were still, they only lost, what, three, four fewer games than they did with him. So the Bulls were still good without Jordan, at least there for a little while. The franchise has fallen off a cliff since he's left, but point still stands. I think the same thing would happen to Brady if he goes to Tampa, they don't win at a high level, the Patriots win their division this year. It'll be hot take fodder on Undisputed, but in 10 years, nobody will even remember it happened. They will only remember the six Super Bowls. But if well, Belichick yeah. sticks around for another half decade and wins another Super Bowl, then it's a whole different That deal. might change things. Maybe a little bit, but to your point about remembering elite players, I mean, LeBron James is a little bit different because he's been three different places, or, well, Cleveland to Miami to Cleveland to Los Angeles, so maybe that's a little bit different. But you're right, Borky. You don't think about Jordan as a, as a wizard. You think about Jordan as a Chicago Bull. I mean, you think about Broadway Joe as a Jet. You think about Johnny United as a Colt, not the fact that they made the move. It is. I saw this note on ESPN earlier. 20 years with one team as a quarterback, Tom Brady is the first to ever not finish with that team. So, uh, you know, he's unique in a lot of ways. Um, so, but but I agree. I mean, you know, outside outside of Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay and getting to a Super Bowl this year and winning a Super Bowl next year, or vice versa or taking them to the NFC Championship game in back-to-back years, you're you're always going to think of Tom Brady as a Patriot unless he just does something unbelievable for two years with Tampa Bay. I mean, what what do you think of Brett Favre as, right? I mean, do you think of him as a, a Viking? Do you think of him as a Jet? Or do you think of Brett Favre as the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers? It's obviously, I mean, just kind of a rhetorical he question. was close to the a vikings, super bowl in minnesota yeah i was about to say the vikings thing does kind of stick out to me a little bit i don't remember him as a viking i'm not going to be dense but i do remember the vikings i don't remember anything about the jets here except the text message right yeah i mean i'm sure there's a few people that remember things about that year i'm just saying i'm not one of them <laughs> outside outside of that um the Bears have traded for Nick Foles. They give up a fourth-round pick to get Nick Foles from the Jaguars. It seems like good value for the Bears, doesn't it? Talk about a Super Bowl MVP. Makes a ton of money. Oh, man. I mean, imagine the- being in the sweepstakes. For, I know he won a Super Bowl, but imagine being in the sweepstakes for Bridgewater and having people talk about Tom Brady potentially going there and then Cam Newton when he's healthy, it could still be a really good quarterback, and then you trade for Nick Foles. Pretty clear Philadelphia made the right decision. Very much so. Also, they were whole, the whole thing they leaked out was that they wanted someone to push Mitch Trubisky, but 
you're probably not paying fifty million guaranteed over the next three years to have someone push your struggling starter. Like, no, he's you signed him starting. to start. Is it Mitch or Mitchell? Whatever, it's on the bench does, here. Does soon. it really matter? It's it really Quanzo. doesn't matter. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins nearing a deal with New Orleans. I don't know well, if we've got on, more than that that's... Is that hold done? on there, Rich, Richard. You're sort of burying the lead there on, on the Foles thing. Oh, yeah, Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is now the core starting quarterback for the Jaguars. He becomes Jaguars. the starter for the Jaguars. Another Mississippi uh, success story. I think the Jags have in the neighborhood of 12 picks in this draft. He's why they made that move. They would have run it back one more year if they hadn't had Minshew. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. How about Gardner Minshew? I mean, can, can we outline his journey to where he is right now enough? From under-recruited and a year at Troy to Northwest Mississippi Community College to East Carolina to a grad transfer with Washington State, puts up ridiculous numbers under Mike Leach, and apparently spent a fair amount of time walking around Pullman, Washington in jean shorts with a bottle of vanilla Crown Royal stuck in his belt loop. Who needs to carry the bottle when you can stick it inside uh, the, the waistband of your jorts? To getting a shot in the NFL, to winning games and becoming a bit of a folk hero slash cult personality to now it's his job he's the starting quarterback for the jacksonville jaguars in the national football league what a remarkable journey it kind of reminds me of kurt warner now i'm not saying he's going to go win a super bowl i'm not putting that kind of pressure on the kid but i mean kurt warner uh, after, groceries after Northern the Iowa, Arena League. was playing for the Iowa Barnstormers. And then after that, he went to Amsterdam to play for the Admirals before he actually became a real NFL quarterback. Was that NFL Europe? Uh, that was in 1998, so a little bit before my time. But you were an adult. You remember. Well, the Amsterdam Admirals. Hey, Dad, weren't, wasn't they that were part NFL of the Europe. NFL Europe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really funny. There's, there's a, you know... Talk about like a butterfly effect. If Mike Leach doesn't come in at that last minute and say, come play quarterback for me, Gardner Minshew is probably a offensive analyst for Alabama today. Getting coffee for Butch Jones. Oh, yeah. imagine that. That's that's I mean, that's that's how close he was. And then, you know, the right opportunity came, he jumped on it, he capitalized on it, and now next year he'll take the field as the starting quarterback for an NFL franchise. That's fantastic. That's a good story. A, it's a great story. It's a great story. And the mustache and the, you know, just the, it's just a complete chill attitude for Gardner Minshew. And it's really, really cool. And he'll get six home games because the Jaguars play two of their oh, yeah. home games in London. So He's huge in London, though. Uh, he, yeah, maybe he'll be able to capitalize on uh, NFL in the U.K., Malcolm Jenkins nearing a deal with New Orleans. You think that's a big deal, hey, Dad? I don't know if it's a big deal is the right word, but I think it's a good deal. I think, you know, veteran leadership, he can still play. Um, like I said, I, I would rather have kept Von Bell. I think he's a, he's a really good player. Uh, but, you know, Jenkins is still a guy who can play and can give you some, some things. You know, they have good safeties in Marcus uh, Williams and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So, you know, I like those guys, but 
It's, it's, it's not, like I said, not a big deal, but a good deal. Borky, big deal for Kiko Alonso to stay in New Orleans, take a little bit of a pay cut, redo his deal, and stay put? Yeah, if he can stay healthy. I mean, he's, he's a really good linebacker and was great last year, but just could not stay healthy, and that's kind of been the MO of his career. So that deal needed to get done because A.J. Klein went to Buffalo. But if he's healthy, the combination of him and Demario Davis is a really good group of linebackers. So it, it's nice, especially that he was able to take a pay cut, but, man – Letting Klein go to have Alonzo, who I think is the better linebacker, but is injury-prone, is a calculated risk. So the new NFL league year began at 4 o'clock this afternoon, and Mike Hilton gets a second-round tender with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And looks like he's going to continue to be a part of their future. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, coming up a little bit later in the show this afternoon. We've got this day in sports history coming up for you, and when we come back, we will talk with uh, Ryan Brown from Jocks in Birmingham on the Farm Bureau phone line. But right now, we will pause and be right back. Wednesday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau, and check in with our good friend Ryan Brown from Jocks in Birmingham. He is co-host of the Jocks Roundtable. Uh, question number one, Brownie, are the uh, are the golf courses in the greater Birmingham area allowing for proper social distancing? Uh, some of them are closed, believe it or not. Some of the uh, public facilities are closed indefinitely right now uh, due to this. Um, the Some of the other, you know, the membership, the private clubs, have, um, there's one in town that is limiting. There are no guests. It can be members only, and you can only bring one family member. Um, some of them are one cart. One person per cart. You can't have two people in a cart. So uh, to answer your question, yeah, it sounds like they're uh, they're doing social distancing very well right now. It's, it's not necessarily the outcome you were hoping for, though, right? No, it's not. I, I did. Uh, I've not played. I played Sunday. I've not played the first two days this week. We had some rain one day, and I had other things. To, uh, Monday it rained. I had some things I had to do yesterday uh, in relation to um, some of the adjustments our show has had to make. So um, it uh, it is. I've not been able to get back out on the course. I need to do it. I'd like some fresh air outside of this house for a little bit. I, I am curious. I, my guess would be, as you have come into contact with people responsibly, of course, that uh, they've said to you some of the same things that they've said to some of us. Oh my gosh, what are you guys going to talk about? You host a sports show, yeah. and there's no sports. So what's the uh what's kind of the the plan that you guys have gone with in terms of doing four hours on the radio five days a week um and and I realize most people probably over Mississippi aren't familiar with our show, but um you know our our show kind of uses sports as a backdrop for a lot of things um we don't do up uh very much at all politics or anything like that um but, you know, we, we get off on weird tangents. I mean, we talk about food and movies and music and things we used to do when we were kids and whatever comes up that's interesting, you know. And, and we always make it back to sports, but our show's never been one that, you know, was 100% sports all the time anyway. So we've we've done a little bit more of that, although I will say for the first three days of this week, NFL Free Agency and Tom Brady have filled a lot of our show. Um, and, you know, Commissioner Sankey was on with us today, so... That gave us a little bit, but, um, you know, we've we branched out some, a little more than we probably normally would, and 
I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I hate the circumstances it's happening under, but it's been a little bit refreshing. I've kind of enjoyed uh, getting away from it a little bit, just doing some some goofy stuff. I'll want it back, but you know, right now I'm okay with with some of the more goofy stuff for a while. I am curious, as a longtime Miami Dolphins fan, to uh, go to bed last night, wake up this morning with Tom Brady no longer a quarterback in the division of the team that you cheer for. Have you done a little happy dance for that? Oh, are you kidding? I've been dreaming about this day that <laughs> either Belichick or Brady retires, preferably Brady, because I think the quarterback can impact it more than a coach. But um, I've been dreaming of the day. And I, and I had always assumed, you know, they both go out, you know, arm around each other's shoulder after winning a Super Bowl and be done with it. And now the division's back up for grabs. Um, so to see it finally happen um, in a time where the Dolphins have been extremely aggressive in free agency and have a billion draft picks where they'll draft franchise, it just feels like this is the turning point. Now, look, Buffalo, I know they made the playoffs. The Jets with Sam Bartle were probably getting better. But it feels like there's kind of a turning point in this division, that it is certainly up for grabs. And if Miami can build quickly enough, they can take it. Buffalo can take it. New York can take it. But it's not just uh, we're going to start the year and you can pick the AFC East winner and then try to figure out the other divisions. It's a division that is now up for grabs. That is a great feeling as a Dolphins fan. And maybe a life lesson there for all of us. If you'll just wait, it will eventually happen because the dream that you had about Tom Brady going away is the same dream that 13 other schools in the SEC have every single day about Nick Saban. <laughs> at, at some point, he will walk away. He will go away. Uh, I just don't know when that point is going to be. Well, I would imagine for the other 13 fan bases um, – you could not have imagined it would be as long as it has been with Nick Saban. And that's, that's fair. the same way I felt about Belichick and Brady. I was like, man, this has got to end at some point. This, Brady does not want to play forever, right? He's got a supermodel wife and a billion dollars. And Belichick's getting old. He doesn't want to do this forever. And at some point, you just assume these guys are going to do this forever. They will literally die on the field, and that's the only way this ends. It, uh, it has taken two decades to uh, get to that point. They did not die on the field, but they will not be uh, together. You, you mentioned Miami being active with a bunch of draft picks. Um, Kyle Van Noy and Byron Jones and Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba. Uh, I think I said his last Ogba. name. Ogba, the uh, former guy at uh, Oklahoma State, and then Eric Flowers, and then three first-round and two second-round draft picks. Yeah. Miami's got a chance to all of a sudden be pretty darn good, don't they? I mean, I think so. I mean, those free agents, you know, those aren't draft picks. You kind of know what you're getting with those guys, so assuming they can stay healthy. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you got to address quarterback, and you got to get that right. I mean, you can't win in the NFL without a quarterback, and, you know, it's going to be either Tua Tungablo or Justin Herbert, in all likelihood. I guess Jordan Love would be a distant, you know, third favorite in that in that grouping. So, you know, you got to hope the one you pick is the one that hits. And is it the bust? Because of those quarterbacks, if you pick those four quarterbacks, I think the historical odds will tell you at least two, if not three, are bust. And, you know, is it Burrow? Is it Love? Is it, you know, is it Tua Tonkaloa? I don't, you know, I don't know who it, or Herbert. I don't know who it's going to be. So you just hope you get that one right. If they can get that one right, yeah, I think they could turn this around very quickly. Um, so, and again, look, you've got three first-round draft picks. Odds tell you at least one of those is going to be a bust, maybe two. So, I mean, you know, there's still some unknown here, but I love what they've done for free agency, and they probably overpaid. 
they came into this with more salary cap than anybody in the NFL, so they could afford everything. Yeah, yeah. Given what you know about the two of them, and obviously you've had a front row seat for Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama, the, the injuries, but also all the exceptional on-field play, uh, less of a front row seat for Justin Herbert. So skill set from those two guys, which one translates better to the NFL? I think it's Tua Tagovailoa because you know if you took the injury away, certainly it's Tua. The injury history, not just the most recent injury, but the injury history. Right. Um, from everybody I talk to, people that know the game, they say that from day one, he read the field like an NFL quarterback. That he was making reads. And look, I'm not good enough to watch film and see that. But I talk to people I trust, and they say, look, you can watch the film and you see he's reading the field like an NFL quarterback. He's not learning to do this on the fly. He knows how to do this. It's an innate ability that he's got the brain of a veteran. And, you know, there are guys that never developed that brain. And, you know, I watched two, and he was phenomenal just about every time I watched him. I would watch Justin Herbert, and I watched a good bit of him. They were playing those late games a lot in the Pac-12. And, you know, one possession, I would think, God, this guy looks like a quarterback I'd want for the Dolphins. And then he'll make a throw, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, I, there's not an NFL quarterback alive that makes that throw. So he, he's a puzzling guy to me. I like you know, obviously his build, his arm is a cannon. But, boy, I watched him two or three, four or five times just make plays that in the NFL will get you cut. And that, that does scare me a little bit. There seems to be an inconsistency there. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Greg Sankey was on with you guys uh, earlier today. A minute or so left. Anything that uh, really stood out to you that he said? You know, I think the the tone of they, they're not just giving up on having football. I mean, look. That they understand the seriousness of what's going on, but they're going to be prepared. He's doing daily conference calls with his athletics directors, and you know he was very clear in the conference call he did with the uh, media after he talked to us that that they're they're not just saying hey you know we'll we'll see what happens. They're preparing to play football. I mean they're doing the officials meetings. They're doing everything they they would normally do. So. They've had to give up on the spring sports, obviously, but uh, I, don't, I don't think they're just assuming football's not going to happen, and boy, I hope they're right. And, and when you say football's not going to happen, you're talking about spring practices? No, I'm talking about the fall season. Okay. I mean, he's, he's left the window open maybe for a sliver of spring. I don't know. The is going to have to address that. I think they're going to have to you know, do something in the summer, if, if anything. I just mean there are a lot of people that say football – this fall might be a casualty to this thing. I don't think Greg Sankey's approaching it with that mindset. I think he's approaching it. Let's prepare, like, we'll kick this thing off in September and do everything we normally do to the best of our ability. And I, I find that very encouraging. Yeah, it's certainly fascinating from where we live. You're talking about two programs in Ole Miss and Mississippi State that both have first-year head coaches. Oh, yeah. This was a big spring for both Ole Miss and Mississippi State that now is just a wash. Yeah, I know. LSU, too. I mean, LSU's replacing – they have a great team, obviously, but they're replacing, yeah, I think, 14 starters. Yeah. Um, the spring's going to be huge for them. It's not just, you know, new coaches. I mean, that's going to be a huge threat or it, That is a big issue if, if we do eventually kick this off with no spring football at all. Yeah. Who knew that we were going to get to the day where we would have uh, Ed Ogeron on the Fox Business Channel or CNBC? <laughs> it is, These are the times in which we are living. <laughs> Weird world here. It really is. Always good to visit, my friend. Thanks for your time. All right, buddy. You guys take care of yourself over there. You as well. That's Ryan Brown from uh, Jocks, co-host of the Roundtable, Jocks Roundtable. 
6 to 10 in the mornings on WJOXFM in Birmingham. We'll take a timeout, wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you in just a couple of minutes. It's Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, just curious, guys. I've not gotten to this point yet. Hey, Dad, I know you're a video game guy. Borky, I know you're a video game guy. Rippy, are you a video game guy? Kinda. I don't currently have a console. I'm holding out for one of the new ones, but I have been known to in the past. Just depends. I was a big dorm game and game video game guy. Well, that wasn't that long ago for you. Um, so if I wanted to go the route of getting a gaming console, what uh, what would be the the route to go? Wait until the new Xbox comes out. Yeah. Okay. That. There, there's no reason in the world for me to wait until the new Xbox comes out because if we're talking about me getting a gaming console, it's to play like a few sports games on it. That's it. This is for you? Yeah, like, I mean, if I was bored during the whole social distancing, kids are out of school, whatever thing for a while. Now, you seem like a Wii I- guy. Do they still make those? We either have a Wii or had a Wii at one point somewhere along the way. I don't think we still have that. Maybe it was borrowed. You can get an Xbox One right now for about 200 bucks. That would be the route to take. Okay. Not a PlayStation guy. Why not? It started with the Halo series, which you're not going to play, so it doesn't matter. But Halo is exclusively <laughs> on Xbox, so that's why I got it back when I was a kid. And then, you know, brand loyalty. The controller is also way better. If you've got bigger hands, the Xbox controller is better for you. The PlayStation one is much smaller. I've always okay. had PlayStation, but I like both. I guess. PlayStation has free live, or did. That was the big selling point back in the day. Has what? Free live, like if you want to own some people online, maybe get you a headset, talk trash to kids your son's age, uh, it's free on PlayStation. Yes, yeah, so, so none of those things are happening. Again, I just, uh, I'm just thinking about the possibility of like being able to play a baseball game or a golf game on a video game console. You can get the last version, the 2014 version of NCAA football. Hey! Might do that. It's there. I'd buy Golden Tee if I were you and get that shipped to your house. Like the big version? Uh, I mean, if they're smaller versions, then maybe you could look into that. I'm not sure, but yes. One of the things that Obi got for Christmas that is awesome is like a miniature version of Pac-Man. So instead of like a full-on upright video game, like old-school arcade style, it's... um. You know, it's like a shrunk-down version of that that sits on the countertop, and it's got a couple of different versions of Pac-Man. It's awesome. But that's kind of where I am, like, in video game world. Like, I think Pac-Man's still cool. So, maybe I'm not even going... Would I be a hero to my son if I bought us a gaming console for this time where he... uh, Well, my son and my daughter. Well, how old is he? He is seven, and she's nine, about to be ten. Yes. Does he have a console already? No, they got the um, the Nintendo Switch. Maybe not this past Christmas, but the Christmas before. They each got their own Switch. Then That's the answer is cool. yes. Yes, okay. I agree. 
Isn't there something that I can do with the switch also, though, where I actually hook it up to a television, where maybe yes, there's not actually the need to go buy something else? Right. But if you want to do Madden or yeah. NBA 2K or NCAA 14, you've got, yeah, Grand Theft Auto. Um, just <laughs> Red just Dead do Redemption. The cheat code to get five stars and ride around in a helicopter. Um, you need a console. In all honesty, if you if you buy a console and play Red Dead Redemption two, by the time all this is over, you should be close to ninety percent completion. I don't even know what language you just spoke to me in. Hey, Dad. Borky got it. Yeah, I got it. Well, that that's fine. I'm glad he did. I just was making it uh, abundantly clear that I had uh, no idea. Um, somebody says get the Xbox, Richard. Uh, this is a good point. Somebody said Nintendo Switch, the fam will love it. You can get the original Nintendo Baseball on it if you pay the $20 for the online arcade. Wait, are we talking about RBI Baseball? Or like Bases yeah. Loaded 2? I think it's uh, it's not it's not RBI, I don't think. Let me check. Yeah. Somebody says, yes, Switch has a TV mount. Sports and shooters get an Xbox. Yeah, Classic that's the Nintendo route. has Pac-Man and Tecmo Bowl preloaded on it. You need to find one where you can get the old Ken Griffey. Oh, Ken Griffey baseball? Oh, yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine said start hunting and fishing. Well, we've been doing that. And my little boy was fishing this afternoon. We went fishing this weekend. And uh, I've had a couple of offers for uh, some turkeys. So uh, maybe we ought to just skip the Nintendo or the... Uh, gaming console altogether and stick with being outside. Well, you can do all of it. It's quite incredible. If you compartmentalize your time, <laughs> you can do it all. You can do all of the above are acceptable. Fair enough. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We appreciate Ryan Brown joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. They can take care of you uh, even without stopping into the office. You can talk, call your local agents. Uh, you can do a lot of your business online. Check them out, Mississippi Farm Bureau at favorites.com and go with the home team. Back with you, 5 o'clock hour, Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for spending part of your Wednesday afternoon with us. Some of you have sent us a message that said uh, this is uh, maybe even more than it has been in the past, become part of your daily routine. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Hopefully, uh, maybe with the, it not raining and being pretty nice, you're hanging out on the back porch, got the radio on, and uh, enjoying a little bit of an afternoon while practice, practicing uh, proper social distancing. Good to be with you. The C Spire text line is open. That number is 601. What's the number, Borky? Eight seven nine forty three ninety five. Thank you. Six zero one. Are you dying? No, I'm not. Six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. I just—it's like my brain just occasionally locks up, and I cannot come up with those three, six, ten digits. I can always get the six zero one out, but it's. It's those next three numbers that sometimes throw me. 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line. Avoid the waiting room with C Spire Health. Download their telehealth app and get treated by UMMC clinicians from your phone. It's now just $29 per visit for everyone. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. It is time right now 
for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. It's a good place, especially right now, to start your search for a new Ford car, truck, van, or SUV. You can find out about the great deals that they've got going and just see what it is that you think you would like. And then when you feel good about it, go and test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. You might find yourself just taking that brand new vehicle home. So earlier today, Greg Sankey had a teleconference in which he met with members of the media. few takeaways from, uh, from the teleconference with the commissioner of the SEC earlier today. The SEC has announced that all spring sports have been canceled, including spring games and pro days. However, the decision to hold team practices after April 15th is currently still in the hands of each university. Uh, doesn't look like that's going to happen, but uh, the rest of the league still has got to make those decisions. Greg Sankey's quote, I'm not going to be overly optimistic about the return to practice. We haven't fully foreclosed that opportunity, but I think practically that window is pretty narrow. So, if no spring practice, what about summer practice? Greg Sankey says, if we're not able to practice further this spring, I'm confident that we'll be seeking opportunities to make sure our teams are adequately prepared heading into the season. Elements of that are going to be guided by the public health realities in front of us. So let's press pause there for just a second. And, you know, guys, looks like spring practice isn't happening. Um, I know we touched on this briefly yesterday. What do you think this could or should look like in terms of practicing in the summer uh, for an extended amount of time leading into the start of fall camp? Just that. that. Couldn't it be an extended fall camp? Yeah. Or just, just allowing the, the, the coaching staff beyond the strength staff to have some time with the players might, might, might just be enough. I don't know that you, you know, do you have to have a full-on practices? I, I don't know. If you can just get out there and allow the coaches to talk to the players and have meetings, that might be enough. You know, one thing to take into consideration here is it always feels like you're kind of on pins and needles with regard to injuries in fall camp. If you just extend fall camp by three weeks or a month or whatever it is, instead of starting basically August 1st, you were say, uh, just say, look, you, you can start the 4th of July is on a Saturday this year, so you can start on July 7th when you're not going to have games until September 5th where you basically would have two full months. In some ways, wouldn't that be a little bit of a scary proposition for coaches to say, we're going to go through two months of practice leading up to the year uh, in, in essence, doubling the amount of time that you could potentially have an injury. They wouldn't want to do two months of fall camp. That's why I, I expect it's going to be some kind of hybrid. Some instructional summer period where you let coaches do install and stuff like that uh, that are no contact, no real practices, and then after that period ends, you can actually do camp. There's no way... I mean, any coach, especially in the SEC, is going to do two months of fall camp practice. That's just not going to happen. Sure, but couldn't you let them decide to do what they want with the time? I guess you could. It's just no coach will go that route anyway. Do you think allowing maybe five extra full practices and five extra 
you know, kind of in between days would be a, a happy medium that folks would get in, on board with? Oh, see why not? Especially if it's if it's going to be the if this is the NCAA, it's really going to be a take it or leave it kind of thing. You would think so. I mean, they'll, they'll take into consideration you know what some coaches want, but at the end of the day, it's it's just going to they're just going to say this is what we're doing. So, my guess is that the thought of having an extended fall camp, I like that idea, just starting fall camp maybe a week or two earlier. That feels like it should be enough, especially since you, you if you do it. Think about spring practice, right? I mean, yeah, it takes a month and some cha- some change, but in reality, they're just at state at least. I don't know what they were doing at Ole Miss. They were practicing Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, so yeah. we're talking about a total of what eighteen practices. I mean, you, you extend yeah two weeks, you can do you know fourteen. I don't think they let you do two days anymore, so you can do fourteen practices. I mean, you're not really missing that much. Yeah. Greg Sankey was asked if he was in favor of the NCAA's decision to grant additional eligibility to spring sport athletes. His response was that uh, he and his staff are going through an eight-page document from the conference compliance staff analyzing the best way to handle all of that. He said, quote, what are we going to do about scholarship limits? What are we going to do about those who have signed with certain expectations? So are there a number of sensitivities here that merit the kind of discussion that I know is occurring right now, again, my encouragement is that be done in a relatively time-efficient manner. And we've all talked about the complications that go along with the extra year of eligibility. And it sounds like the NCAA is wanting to only give an extra year of eligibility to seniors. I, I just don't understand how that is a – maybe that's a simpler compromise or a simpler solution, but it doesn't – seem like that's a fair solution i mean not everybody is on a three-year plan in college baseball you know not everybody's on a a four-year plan in softball or golf or tennis and and so you know if you're looking at it from a a three years well seniors that were about to be done they'll get one year well what about all the freshmen sophomores and juniors that lost a year what why is it fair to only give an extra year of eligibility to your seniors. Why wouldn't you just press the reset button on eligibility for this partial spring season for everyone? And again, knowing full well, Borky, when you ask that question, it's complicated because of managing roster sizes and scholarship limitations for equivalency sports. All of those things are extremely complicated. They are, and you should probably take a little bit more time to figure it out. I just... Only granting it to seniors doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. It's These are unique circumstances. So the solution may disrupt things for a little while because I don't know if Mark Emmert's looked at the news lately uh, with his head so far. Let me stop right there. Careful. Um, In the sand. I, I, I'm not going to go too far. You know that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this for five years now. I, I, I was being I know what funny. Stop being sensitive. We're going to do that today now. Carry yes. on. Where, where were you going with that? Where were you going with Please that? Mark Gibbert head in the sand. The FCC. I don't know anyone. Um, hey, Rippy, have you got anything you'd like to add? No, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm going to toe the line and, you know, maybe dance over and back. Borky, how long have we been doing this? I can't ever remember. Doing Seven what? years? This Five show. for me. Uh, Five for you. Eight for you. Yeah. So a bunch. 
There's been only one legitimate FCC concern in the entire eight years, and it does not belong to you, and it does not belong to me. And hey, Dad, I don't think it belongs to you either, does it? What an a hole that guy must be. <laughs> hey, Rippy, what's up, bud? <laughs> I, don't know what I had an about. FCC concern, but not with this with this uh, with this network. Yes, and it yes, wasn't me, enough. technically. Borky, where were you going with that, with Mark uh, Emmert's head in the sand? <laughs> or uh, elsewhere? Um, I don't know if he's noticed, but things are um, inconvenient all over the place, and a lot of people's lives have been disrupted. So if the way you structure scholarships for your baseball and softball teams is disrupted for a year or two or, oh gosh, maybe even three, Five. Then then deal with it because it's the right thing to do couple of other takeaways from Greg Sankey and his teleconference with media earlier today. A thought on winter sports athletes and their eligibility. Plans for SEC media days moving forward. He declined to answer whether or not uh, any SEC players, coaches, or staff members have tested positive for coronavirus. We'll get to the details on all of that coming up in just a moment. Sports Talk Mississippi, College Football Fix. SEC Media Day is currently scheduled for July 13th through the 16th in Atlanta. And as of now, the commissioner of the SEC says the league is moving forward with its plans, but preparing for disruption. Here's the quote. We are going full steam ahead on our planning for Atlanta Media Days. Last Thursday morning, I was full steam ahead on playing a basketball tournament and was disrupted. So we're going to prepare for disruption we're going to plan as if in July we'll have the media day's opportunity as scheduled, and that's the best answer I can give you at this moment. What do you think? Does that happen in July or no? Depends on what website you read. I mean, as, as we were ta- I mean, <laughs> talking right. about at the break, it just I can't quite figure out. I think I'm just going to listen to that doctor today, uh, the one Dr. that's involved. Fauci. In, yes, I, I, he seems like he's the most important voice to listen to in this. Maybe he's not, but I, it depends on the website you look at. You'll have one that will say, "Oh, a study says that up to four million Americans could die," and then another one that says, "Hey, in a few weeks, if everybody shuts down, it'll be like South Korea, and we'll get out of this." in a few weeks. The varying degrees of information, depending on where you get it from, is so confusing and I don't know if misleading is the right word, but it kind of is because it's so dramatically different. It's like they're all talking about different diseases. I can't figure out where the truth is. Yeah, Dr. Anthony Fauci is the director of the National Institute for Asthma and Infectious Diseases. He was perhaps the foremost researcher on HIV-AIDS and has been the advisor to six U.S. presidents. And uh, just a really interesting guy. Uh, you, you and I, Borky, I know both uh, listened to the interview that uh, what uh, the guys at PFT at the Barstool did with him uh, earlier today. It was about a half an hour interview. It was really interesting. And um, you would think that somebody that smart would be stuffy he's not at all like really engaging guy but also has the ability to explain things on a level that are understandable for everybody yeah explain it to me like i'm five uh possesses the ability to um 
talk to you and put it in your terms. Because imagine the conversations he has with his colleagues. It would be like a foreign language to us. So I, I appreciated that. But that 30-plus minutes or so, I felt like I learned more than I did all of my information gathering over the last few days. Greg Sankey about the 2020-2021 athletic year. Quote, our focus is on preparing for the 2021 academic year, the fall season as as currently scheduled. There's a period on the end of that sentence. We'll obviously think about everything going forward because we're being guided by public health information and decision-making, but my hope is that we can return to our normal organized activities, our normal experiences, and be part of that celebration around soccer, volleyball, cross-country, and football in the fall but we'll have to see. And I guess that's really the only thing he can say at this point, right? Yeah. It's the only sensible thing to say. There's no point in making anything concrete. We don't know where we're going. This is unprecedented territory. We've never been here before. So there's no point in making any any kind of, of blanket statement. Just we'll see is all anybody can say about anything right now. Yeah. Which I guess makes it a bad question when I say, hey, guys, what do you think? July 13th through the 16th. Are we going to have media days in Atlanta? I mean, the the answer is either yes or no, but how we answer that question is, I don't know. I just flipped a coin and it came up heads, and heads represented yes and tails represented no. I mean, it's really all we can do. Pretty much. Uh, I, I I did find it interesting that Dr. Fauci in that interview earlier today I guess they did the interview yesterday. He paralleled the timeline that we are currently on with kind of the the arc or the curve that they dealt with in China specifically. And the first case in China was at the end of December. And here we are March 15th, and they are on the downward side of the curve. So you're looking at a, about a three-month window. If we rewind to the first case in the United States, which was what, three weeks ago? Was it a month ago at this point? Was it mid-February or or the late part of February when the first case popped up in, what, the Pacific Northwest in the Seattle area? Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, if you go... January 21st, the first case of coronavirus in the United States. Okay, well, let's... Let's just round it forward and call it February 1st. And you look at the window in China as, you know, about three months to the point where you now have, you know, massively reduced number of cases being reported, going from thousands a day to teens per day. And so you're you're moving in the right direction. I mean, February 1st would take you to what, May 1st? Get greedy and say June 1st? You know, a four-month window? I mean, if, if you get to that point by June 1st, and Borky, you, you attached it yesterday. I don't, I don't know if you put the story here again, and, and Rippy had mentioned, mentioned it as well. What was it South Korea where they yeah, are it's there. getting ready for professional basketball to resume? Professional basketball seems prepared to return to the countries in Asia where the coronavirus first appeared, though games likely will be played without spectators. Games in South Korea, a country that drew worldwide praise for its success in containing the virus, seem closest to returning, 
South Korea's league, the KBL, has games scheduled at the end of March. Though in empty arenas, many teams will see their American players landing in airports around the country over the next week, according to agents talking to ESPN. The South Korean league has been suspended since late February, and many foreign players elected to return home for their scheduled four-week hiatus. Not all foreign players will return, but it appears enough will to attempt to play games in just two weeks. In Japan, where leagues were suspended in mid-February, games were played behind closed doors this weekend, though a couple of events rattled players and raised questions over the viability of the remainder of the season. So, yeah, trying to figure it out. Yeah, a ref had a fever and still officiated the game. Hmm. So, that's what happened in Japan. But I, this story, I, I wonder if... I can't decide what I think it means for us, if it means anything at all, but it does give you a little bit of optimism, right? I mean, most of the places where you concern or consume news is talking about, wow, this could last 18 months even before we get vaccines to everybody. But with the way South Korea handled it, if they're comfortable enough, and I know there's a lot of stories coming out about China right now. Um, so throwing them aside and looking at South Korea the way that their news media works and the way the country works, it's similar uh, in comparison to ours. Uh, it's a free country, basically. If they are comfortable enough to start sports in a few weeks, shouldn't that give all of us optimism? Not saying that it's going to happen, but that it can if we all do the right things like they did over there. Is that fair? I mean, you would think so. What was... I should know the answer to this. I mean, obviously this started in Wuhan province, but what was the spread of coronavirus across mainland China? It was pretty dramatic, wasn't it? Yeah, because I saw it was a New York Times article, I think I retweeted earlier. Uh, No, the Times UK, uh, that explains how they suppressed the, the virus and the doctors tried to expose it. So they did not get out ahead of it. In fact, they let it spread a lot more. Uh, Yeah. At the beginning. and, and isn't that the most frustrating part of all of this? I mean, I, I think you can say this without being labeled either xenophobic or racist, but China did not do the rest of the world any favors with how they dealt with this on the front end. They, they tried to, to bury it and fix it on their own as opposed to doing the things that needed to be done to isolate it and end it right out of the gate. And instead, a few million people traveled in and out of the country in that period of time, and here we are. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a tinfoil hat, black helicopter kind of guy where you're going, oh, well, China intentionally spread this all across the world. I mean, there are a lot of people that believe that. I, I don't necessarily believe that's the case, but... China being mad when you say it's their fault. Yeah, but it's 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 kind of your fault. Now, even if they had taken the proper protective measures, this thing could have still spread. And based on what I've been able to read in the interviews that I've read, I mean, the belief is that this was an animal virus that made the jump to humans and sometimes when that happens it's not a big deal it's an isolated thing and sometimes a particular virus has the ability to adapt to its new environment its new habitat 
And that seems to be what has happened with this particular strand of coronavirus. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon, just after 5.30. Time to give something away. Actually, let's give a couple of somethings away. Uh, We did this a little bit last week. We gave away some Leonard Skinner tickets. The uh, concert was originally scheduled for March. It has now been pushed back to Friday, October 16th. Leonard Skinner will be at the Bank Corp South Arena in Tupelo. The concert now Friday, October 16th. It's the farewell tour of the legendary band, and it might be your last chance to see them live. So we are going to give away two pairs of tickets. And we're going to do it on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Your key phrase to text in, give me three steps. Texter number 12, in honor of Tom Brady, and texter number 15, in honor of, oh, I don't know, the other number that I came up with. So texter number 12 and texter number 15, fair enough, Dak Prescott, uh, you will win a pair of tickets. Text the phrase, give me three steps to the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Tickets to see Leonard Skinner at the Bank Corp South Arena in Tupelo are on sale at Ticketmaster.com or the Bank Corp South Arena box office. Give me three steps to 601-879-4395 for your chance to win a pair of tickets to um it was number 12 and what was the other one 12 and 15 okay we have uh two winners so thank you for your text i'm uh gonna send you a response right now that was fast they they came in like fire i was watching it just to see how it would happen yeah i uh there we go look at it i I love that it just over and over and over and over and over give me three steps and no not one oh there was one there's two I've seen a handful of give me three steps. <laughs> Thanks for your responses. So the tickets have now been given away, and uh, Borky will reach out to you for your name and your email address and a phone number so that we can uh, we can get them to you, the uh, tickets uh, for the Leonard Skinner concert in Tupelo in October. Very cool. Very cool. So Woes tweeted last night about the um, – NBA, trying to get their processes in place so that they can have a summer restart. This was the tweet. Sources. The ex-U.S. Surgeon General Vivek uh, Murthy, uh, Dr. Vivek Murthy, I'm assuming, delivered the NBA Board of Governors call a message consistent with other credible health organizations on grim potential impact of coronavirus pandemic in the U.S., but left owners with hope of restarting the season-slash-playoffs before July. And this kind of coincides with the earlier reporting that uh, they were preparing to return in late May, early June. You make anything out of that? This is not the first place that's posed this theory but if that were the case, do you know who the seven seed is in the East currently? The Brooklyn in the Nets. East. 
that's like seven games below 500? Yes. But do you know who would potentially be 13 months removed from a certain knee surgery uh, by a mid-June restart? Ooh, Kevin Durant. And Kyrie Irving would probably be healthy by then as well. How about that? Oh, that would be that would be fascinating. Just a thought. Wow. Yeah. But they don't have an acting head coach. They may not rush it back after his old Warriors medical deal, but possible. Well, that could really change things, couldn't it? Yeah. They probably sudden, wouldn't win they're... the East, but they would they would be a disastrous first round matchup for whoever uh earned the two seed. Which is who right now? I believe Toronto Celtics? without looking at it up. I mean, okay. without Ooh, looking it up. Oh my gosh, that would be awful for them. That would be bad. Wow. For for Toronto? For Toronto, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so standings in the NBA right now. We did this earlier. I guess did it last week. Bucks have got the uh, number one seed. They've clinched the playoff spot, as have the Raptor, uh, Raptors and Celtics. Bucks one, Raptors two, Celtics three, Heat four, Pacers, Sixers, Nets, Magic. So you'd have Bucks, Magic, Raptors, Nets, and the Nets are currently four games below 500 at 30 and 34. Celtics, Sixers, and then Heat, Pacers. Celtics Sixers could be fun, couldn't it? It would. Oh, it should be. The Sixers are healthy. Yeah, I mean, I just don't understand of... this playoff restart. Like, there's, it, it would be literally impossible to ask these dudes to take this hiatus, even with practices and stuff, and then just be ready for a playoff series. No, they, they're going to play games. Tune-ups. They'll play regular season games. Uh, the, I don't the, think they get. I think the regular season's done at this point. I don't think there's any way they can play the regular season. Why not? If they come back in, they have 20 games left. If they came back in June, you play. The playoffs themselves are two months. And well, yeah, you could either shorten the first round from seven to five games. I've seen that floated out there. Um, but if you can come back June one, you can finish your season. Playoffs included. Uh, by the end of August. Yeah, I just from everything I've read, it seems like the idea of there being any more of a regular season is pretty much out the door. Maybe you're right. Maybe they start doing that, but it just doesn't seem like they even have that on the table at this point. Were you sure? I don't it, know how you go from half. a. I don't know how you go from a restart to playoff series. That would be fascinating, but also probably not great. Wouldn't you play half a dozen games? And, and, and let's see, where could that have an effect? Okay, so you've got the um, in the West, the eight-seed Grizzlies, one game below five hundred, three and a half games clear of Portland and New Orleans. So if you played half a dozen games, you could alter the playoff picture there. And in the East, uh, the Magic are five and a half games clear of the Wizards. So likely not to have anything change in the East in terms of which teams would be involved in the playoffs. But in the West... I mean, you're in a scary spot if you're the Grizzlies. Yeah, especially with the way the schedule is set up. Um, they they would be the only ones with that, a, though. Yeah, that's a good question. How do you question. schedule half a dozen games? Just whatever the next half dozen games on your schedule were, right? You don't think they'll try to play out a regular season? You don't think that's at least something that they still have on the table? If they're starting in June, I don't think that's realistically feasible. I, I think at this point they're probably just trying to get the playoffs in. Most teams wrong, right now seem right. are at 63 to 66 games played at this point. Um, 
Sixers have played 65 games. The Memphis Grizzlies have played 65 games. Uh, looks like the Portland Trailblazers have played 66. The Pelicans have played 64. So everybody's got about, you know, somewhere between 15 and 18 games remaining in the regular season. You can play 15 games in three weeks. But doesn't that completely throw away the idea of the whole not playing back-to-backs and all well, that good stuff? But after this hiatus, you got to do it. If you want to get the games in, I mean, you've had a, a few months off now. You should be nice and rested. Lo- load management shouldn't be an issue? That's another thing. If you do the abbreviated one, like you're still ending up with an odd number of games. I don't know how they would work that. But what yeah. this story yesterday tells me is they're – Maybe I'm just not reading the right things. That they're they're trying to keep everything on the table. I've seen multiple reports talking about how owners don't want to compromise on the regular season if they don't have to. Sure, they lose money, particularly the non-playoff teams. And there's so many TV dollars wrapped up in this deal, and if they don't play the games, I mean, that's just net losses for billionaires. And as you can imagine, they don't really like that on top of net losses that they've already had yeah. because of ticket sales and games being canceled and whatnot. It's Which tough. they would also they would have losses as well if they played you know, if they came back and they finished out the regular season in empty gyms and then went back to crowds for the playoffs, then, you know, you're looking at fifteen, sixteen games with half of those home and half of them on the road, you know, give or take. So losing eight home gates out of that down the stretch, plus, you know, whatever agreement they come to with their TV partners. But then massive audiences once the playoffs begin because it'll be the first sports back. And people will be so jonesing for live sports. I mean, you'll, you'll see record numbers in terms of viewers for the playoffs if they get them back. Don't you think? For sure. Whatever comes will, back first is going to get watched more than they ever have. Yeah. We will wrap this day. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.